You're listening to the DMA Contact Centre Council podcast. This is part two of an episode focused on how COVID will affect our businesses. If you haven't already listened to part one, be sure to check it out. And if you have, thank you for joining us again. Coming back to you, I think you know, there's all these technologies to help productivity and efficiency and reducing travel time by working at home and so on and so forth. But clearly one of the reasons that call centers haven't necessarily moved towards the home environment is all of the fears around data security and financial data, medical data, you know, etc. You know, I think it's a compliance officer's nightmare. There must be lots of them lying awake still at night probably more than ever because so much has been transacted since you know there's the difference between being in a in a center and and being able to monitor behavior and compared to someone at home could be taking their mobile phone and snapping all sorts of uh, information and data at, at will i think is is one of the fears that we all have how how do you feel that the technology that you've seen and that maybe you're using or aware of can assist in helping with security of data and you know what flaws are you also seeing if any at the moment well thank you i think that's a that's a very interesting question but also i think the answer is slightly counterintuitive the fear always has been when moving from the office to the home that information in transit would be at risk basically the distance between the agent and wherever the data resides would be the risk element. In reality, I think that has proven to be a bit of a red herring. First of all, because there are protocols these days which rely on encryption, things like HTTPS, which basically mean that anything that you run across a browser using this protocol is, is perfectly safe. And secondly, when running certain applications that do not use that, a lot of people just use VPNs or virtual private networks, which ensure that everything is tunneled through the internet so nobody really can get access to it. So from the point of view of data in transit, I think this has proven to be less of a problem. I think the problem becomes quite acute when the data arrives at its destination, basically the home. Now, what happens to it in the home is different to what would happen to it in the contact center. So, for example, there are a lot of contact centers that actually forbid any devices or even paper on agents' uh, desks uh, Mm -hmm. during work. It makes perfect sense. You don't want the agents to be able to to take pictures or jot down things as they work. Now, you have absolutely no such control in the home. So I think that this is a risk that I cannot see yet a way in which it can be mitigated. I think it's, it's, it's purely on a human level where this can be addressed, where basically, you know, any breach can be possibly traced later to the, to the perpetrator and then measures being taken post-breach. But preventing a breach in the home is probably not feasible at this point, not through technology anyway. It's probably feasible through human uh, measures, but not through technology. Not that I can see any, any way of doing that. So I think this is the, the, the crux of the matter. I think the, the distance between the, the agent and the contact center is not, not a problem. The problem is what happens to data once it's in the home. You know, it can be not the agent themselves. It can be their partners, their flatmates, their guests, people who may get access to 
information that otherwise they wouldn't even dream of getting access to just by being in the same room. That's so right. these are these yeah. are things that I'm afraid technology will probably struggle to to deliver when working from home. There are other solutions which I believe the world is probably ready for, and that will be sort of very uh, localized offices where people can go from home, walk to the end of the road, and work in those offices. That will be a lot safer. But as long as people work from home, there's always the danger of data not being secure, babies crying, dogs barking, and uh, people just wandering into the room half dressed. Yeah. There are, right. yeah, yeah. Which is which is which which with the potential of video type uh, calls, right. yes, could, could definitely bring a new emphasis on, on things. But there's big home call center networks that have been developing over the last 10, 12 years. This this started in the states, come over to the UK. You know, they obviously this is must have been one of their bugbears and one of the things they've worked hardest on to overcome in terms of data security and so on. How are they managing to to protect customers and protect data? Are there you know, are there tools, are there are there technologies, are there is there some culture that they put in which has allowed them to overcome these issues? Because they are or they were pre-COVID growing anyway. I don't know. Have you have you well, had any involvement with? Yes. So there's, a, I guess, there's two elements of data that you want to protect, isn't there? There's your personal data, and then there's the the really, you know, really don't want anyone to get your hands on your credit card and financial data, and and both are are, are very important. But with the financial one, I would imagine that there's been a real increase in sales for PCI compliant IVR solutions or solutions such as, you know, Semaphone, SotPay, PCI Pal, all those types of things. I imagine that they have seen a real increase in people buying that software to protect credit card, debit card data. In, in the States, I did see a dem a couple of weeks ago of a solution, and it's not foolproof at all, but it basically, it's got a detection bit of software in it. So if you hold a camera up, to your screen it detects that and an alert goes off if somebody walks in to your where you're you know working then it detects that it sees another body and it alerts that and then a camera kicks off to see what the activity is so those are two bits of technology that are trying to address some of those issues but like to Danny's point you know agents in the UK their average wage is 17,600 pound mm. they're not going it's very unlikely they're going to have a spare room or, or an office that they can you know lock up bolt up and you can be pretty assured I, you know I've managed agents who have been in those student environments and it's just very difficult I think actually one of the questions will become if that is actually the future, actually, would you get those individuals wanting to work in a call centre environment? Because actually, I think one of the pros, besides it being something that maybe is a bit more flexible than, you know, for, for younger people and students and people starting new jobs, okay, it might give them entrees into the the working environment but for those who do it for the camaraderie and to meet people and so on clearly that's not going to be so attractive and maybe a restaurant job or a pub job will become something that they would choose instead yes so so things like putting in cameras and and so on could become incredibly onerous and maybe uh, with, without wishing to 
to particularly, you know, pick on a, an age group, uh, a, a 20, 21 year old, might look at that and say, gee, I'm not, I'm not signing up to that. That's not, you know, that's not for me. So it might then provide some other challenges in the, for the industry moving forward, I would have thought. Well, what, what, so, what we've seen, just to reinforce a little bit uh, Neris's point, what we've seen is an extension of what the PCI controls have introduced to the payment world by reducing the amount of information that is actually given to the agent on a sort of need-to-know basis only. Mm. So effectively, there is no need for the agent to know certain things when they talk to, to people. And therefore, there's no point in opening up the whole CRM system or the whole payment system or whatever it is to them, but all only deliver to them the things that they need for handling that particular call or interaction. And I think that this is becoming more and more the, the norm, particularly with things like GDPR, that you know, personal information of any kind, or indeed information that is sensitive of any kind, there is always a question of, does the agent really need that in order mm-hmm. to handle a, a conversation? And I think the answer increasingly is possibly not. And that is a, a much easier way to actually remove that at source rather than deliver it and then try to limit it when it's already outside. Yeah, I have an I, excellent I, point, actually. Yeah. We, we, we work with a number of financial banking type clients and we had this conversation very recently, which is, well, you know, if, we, if we're just blocking a, a stolen card, for example, do we really need access to all of the rest of that customer's bank account details? And the truth is no, but actually the systems haven't been designed to necessarily lock everything down because it's not been a necessary requirement until now. Moving forward, I think that's where compliance officers need to maybe look at, like you said, the CRM systems, the banking systems, et cetera, and work with their technology partners to redesign these with a view to something like this in future. Yeah, and when you think about the the opportunities that real-time translation afford you as well, because I, I guess what I'm saying is I go to so many centres, so many centres where the um, modus operandi is for the agents to have wipe clean whiteboards on their desks and for them to do to write the notes and then subsequently in their wrap time to put it into the CRM. It's like, really, is that totally necessary? Why do you have to do that writing down? Now you've got the functionality and the technology to just hear what you're saying and pop it into the CRM without you even able to access the CRM. So all you're yeah. doing is being the person that has the knowledge to support that customer, asking the questions. The answers to those questions around personal data just get put straight into the CRM that the agent just doesn't see. Absolutely. And all they're seeing is transactional history in order to better, to deliver a bit more of a personalised experience. Yeah, yeah, that's what has to evolve, I think, as, as we move forward. So, Danny, I just wanted to um, cover a couple more points and thoughts that have been going around within the uh, Contact Centre Council. And one of the, the challenges that we see with contact centers and remote working is onboarding, ongoing training. You know, we, we're all used to putting people into a training room, trainers sitting at the front with our PowerPoints and doing role play and testing and all of, all of these wonderful teamwork scenarios to uh, encourage knowledge to go in. How do you see that technology can help with that? Frankly, either you know, whether we stay working partly from home or, or even back in the office 
Yeah, I can give you a, a real life example regarding that one. We have been rolling out a rather large system in South Africa. As you can imagine, we can't go there. But we have discovered by accident that Zoom has a wonderful feature that nobody else has. And that is the ability for two people to share their screen at the same time. And because of that, we have developed a mechanism uh, or a method of delivering training. And we've delivered training to nearly 100 people over Zoom in shorter sessions, which were better. When you go on site, you have to really concentrate the training over, say, three days of really focused classroom training. If you do it remotely, you can actually divide it into, say, six half days or, or, or I don't know, 10 sessions of two hours. Because, you know, you're not constricted in any way by having a limited time on site. And therefore, what we've done, we've actually delivered a series of training using Zoom with this capability of actually sharing the trainee's screen and the trainer's screen on the same screen so they can actually see what they're doing and show them how to, how to do things at the same time. And that has proven invaluable to us. In many ways, the training has actually been more useful in the sense that you can get people to sit for two hours quite happily. It's much more difficult to get them to sit for three days when they've got a day job as well. Mm. So what we found, again, by accident, is that that works better. Now, one thing we can't do is take them out for a drink in the evening, which is a shame. But I think that the benefits sort of balance that to a certain degree. And we've been able to deploy this quite happily without any need to fly down to Johannesburg. We're doing the same thing in the US, we're doing the same thing in Australia now. So it's, it seems to be working much, much better. So we can deliver that. Now, there are downsides, and I'm sure that Neris will enumerate them, of lack of sort of human contact and, you know, not having the ability to throw a piece of chalk at somebody if they're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> But I think there are benefits as well. So from our point of view, we, we love it. Naris, are you, are, you, are you seeing similar benefits or are you seeing it differently? Yeah, I think that just in terms of knowledge transfer, you know, e-learning packages, knowledge bases, bots, virtual, you know, virtual assistants um, are all technologies that can really support the agent and their ability to use the software in the right way and to answer the customer's questions in the right way. I think it, it loses something without being in a team environment, because I guess I guess what you, you do lose that dynamic and that human element to it in terms of picking up on the nonverbal signals that say this person's struggling. All right. You know, yes, you can get their e-learning scores and you can get the but it, I don't know. I'm a real human to human person. And I think a lot of people in contact centers are naturally sort of social butterflies. And I'm doing the European contact center and customer service judging this year, and I'm doing it virtually. And whilst I can't wait, and it's like one of the highlights of my year, it's going to be very different doing it virtually because, yeah, you just miss that human to human bit and yeah, all those non-verbals. So yeah, technology, definitely. I mean, I can't imagine what would be, how the industry would look if this was 15 years ago, it'd be screwed. But, but it's not, you know, we're, we're here today and we've got these technologies available. It, it, so, exactly. 
Yeah, and, and it, you know, I think, Danny, your your point is a really good one. You know, putting training a hundred people at the same time is an is a massive challenge. If you try and do that in in a centre, you know, unless you're you've got enormous uh, training or conference rooms, or you go and hire uh, those facilities, actually, this is a a really quick, simple, easy, cheap way of transmitting training to agents and for short bite-sized periods is a is a really good point as well i mean we know that the concentration levels are you know they say you're at your your maximum efficiency for about 45 minutes yeah. and we know that sometimes we do have agents sitting in rooms for one two three five days sometimes you know weeks on end and there is only so much that they can take in so i wonder if this will create a hybrid actually down the line with some version of e-learning combined with some teamwork, you know, once we're all able to sit together. Um, I think it is one of the areas actually, which we can all improve on. So, so yeah, I mean, good to see, good to see you're doing it already. Mm. So, so lastly, guys, I mean, we've talked a, a lot about uh, technology. We've talked about people. We've talked about how, uh, you know, how the successes that we're starting to see, I guess um, we, 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 we don't know uh, yet if they are shoots that are going to turn into to trees or if they're going to sort of fall apart as uh, you know as as winter comes. But you know that's been really interesting, and I think some diverse views from from both of you really. Naris, what what challenges do you see will that we'll face if we continue this? Imagine we're now going to in into winter possibly. You know, through to next Easter, we might even be forced in in many ways not to be able to come back into centres. Certainly not in droves. And wh- where do you see the challenges over the the next six months now that now that the the basics are embedded? Yeah, I think perhaps it, there's an opportunity, and you touched on it earlier, David, in terms of what the resource pool is going to look like, what the profile of a typical agent is going to look like going forward if this this world that we're now in continues and becomes ingrained as the way of working. So I think it opens up great opportunities because you can access advisors because you can do micro shifts and so you can access advisors who are returned to work mums who have got accessibility problems that meant they couldn't commute into a central office so I think I think it's going to change the profile of advisors I do think the average age will go up and maybe that will have a good impact on uh, retention rates from the advisor community as a consequence and a positive impact on customer experience potentially i think that that's all all to be seen but i think probably we'll go through a lots of attrition before we get there and that profile readjusts and and i also wonder what that means in terms of the profile of just having a job as a contact center agent you know we're all sitting in our rooms doing something is will 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 it mean that it's a quite an attractive job to some people now and will that help us i i think it probably will so i think it's fascinating i think i just i just you know i'm 25 years in contact centers they're in a center you go there you have fun you go to the pub you you have a laugh and it's just quite intense isn't it and I do think that the loneliness has to be the the feelings that the guys are being uh, feeling exposed because they don't feel they haven't got that hand on their shoulder you know team leaders are I think the most 
critical role at the moment is that team leader community and giving them the tools to support their agents. Um, and if they're they're empowered with the right tools and the right technology, I think the centres are are doing very well. And then that's overlaid with these brilliant initiatives where they're ditching SLAs and saying forget them, and where they're saying let's switch out our QA for uh, welfare meetings. So let's just sit and have a chat to you. And recognising that human element has to be addressed. You cannot just treat them as robots. They're not robots. But in that, but on another vein, robots are definitely going to start helping more and more. The challenge really is how do we uh, maintain the human touch, uh, not create a, a whole industry full of robots? And, and, and the age thing is potentially going to be really, you know, really interesting. Do, do we become contact agents rather than contact center <laughs> agents, yeah. if you like? And, and, and actually, does that suit? a more mature audience that, that's spent 20 years already with people and enjoyed that, but now they're, they're quite happy and confident. They just want uh, to work. They want to do a great job. They want fixed hours. They don't want the travel. And actually, yes, things things may evolve in that way or, or it may become a hybrid, I guess, where contact centers will only be able to house a certain number of people. So actually, they may offer uh, the diverse opportunity. Would you like... Uh, you know, we've got X number of of, of positions available in uh, a centre, and we've got X number available from home, and that that may well be uh, the yeah. future. So, yeah, I know it's 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 going to be interesting. Thanks, uh, Neris. Thanks, Danny. That's that's been great. I think clearly some some slightly differing views on on how things have evolved and how things could evolve. But the challenge our industry is going to face is the continuing combination of technology and people and we fundamentally whilst people are there to handle contact we have to be conscious that they are the most important aspect of, of our whole industry and ultimately we're here to service customers and that's the role that people play but technology is um, having a, a, an enormous effect on how we handle contact and training and so on and Danny thanks for your insight into how you're seeing some of that evolve um, so that's great and i uh, hope everyone finds some of what we've discussed interesting and relevant to their situations and uh, hopefully we can hear from you guys again thank you david uh, thank you david thanks very much bye-bye thank you for listening to this episode of the dma's contact center council podcast sure to come back to listen to our next episode where we'll continue to discuss the data and marketing concerns of our businesses.